We are continuing our series in 1 Peter, so grab your Bibles. Uh, We're going to be going from 1 Peter 2 verse 4, but before that, I thought I'd start by talking about some of my building escapades. Now, I I feel it's a coming of age into your 30s that you start to take a greater interest in building projects, and as a guy, my building interest has grown. My building proficiency hasn't quite, as my wife would probably testify. I've, I've been known to start a very small project that quickly turns into a very big one. So rather than put photos of my failed building projects up, I thought I'd put a couple of these up so you can see. This is uh, someone who's amazingly designed a great balcony without a door. That's probably something, <laughs> probably in the building they think, you know, it's great. I don't know if this is a failure. I think that's quite a good use of your old car. Uh, That one's definitely wrong. I tried to justify. I was like, they've maybe made that architecturally, but I think that's just wrong all over. Uh, You're not going to get a car in there, are you? (laughs) Unless you've got a little mini. Anyone got a mini? No minis? No minis. They're gone. Uh, (laughs) You might be thinking, this is the Grace Church toilets. I can assure you it's not, but it is a bit of a squeeze getting in there, especially if you've got a four-year-old who's desperate to go to the loo. Uh, this is actually in a, a design university, which you think makes it even more funny. Uh, hopefully there's no fire there. This one's done to plan, but you're not going to get up those stairs. A little seating area for no one. No stairs there. Uh, I don't know what to say about that. I don't know if they started a project and thought, well, just, let's just bail out halfway through. Make it accessible for everyone. Actually, do you know what? I bet my kids would love to play on that. Maybe it's a kid's toy. This is uh, Stairway to Nowhere. And my favourite is if you're going to watch a sports event. I thought this would be great. If you're a Chelsea fan, this would be in- enjoyable this year. That is a better view than watching Chelsea play. And I know there's Chelsea fans here, so good for you. Uh, we are all building our lives No one sets out to build a bad life. Whether you're studying for a future career, whether you have a health plan that you're building towards to lose weight and get fit. There's many families here who uh, are building into their kids for the future. We have a great kids' work going on, people investing in our kids, wanting to guide them and lead them to Jesus. At work, you might well be seeking a promotion or building your skills at work. Spiritually, it might have been your resolution this year. I'm going to get to know God. I'm going to build a deeper friendship and relationship with God and friendships with one another. Building, spending time, knowing that I need to invest time with that person. We are all building. And this morning, I want to say that now you are the people of God, build well. You are the people of God, so build well. So let's find uh, 1 Peter, verses 2. And we're going to be reading from verse 4. It says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men and precious in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. Whoever believes in him 
will not be put to shame, so that honour is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. Let me pray. Lord, we Lord, we come to your word to be shaped by your word. Lord, we come from many different backgrounds and experiences, but Lord, your word stands true and shapes us. And I pray this morning as we listen to your word, would you shape us? Lord, would it be a light to our feet? Would you encourage people this morning? Would you release people from patterns of thinking that hold them back from enjoying you? Lord, would you be here by your spirit as you have been, Lord? Would you manifest your presence to people that they would hear your words and they'd have that soak into their heart that changes them? Lord, we come to you knowing that we are but vessels and you fill us. And so I pray this morning, would you fill us? Amen. So you are the people of God. Jesus is building his church. Matthew 18, verse 16. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is building his church. You look around this morning, we are the church. Jesus is building us. It's so encouraging. I was almost blubbering up there as we're singing that last song, knowing that we are a people of God, that we are living stones coming to him. And every building starts with one stone. doesn't matter where you begin. Every building starts with one stone. So I've got a few props here. This is me this morning in my garden. It's funny what you find in your garden, isn't it? A cornerstone in old times was the first stone. It's quite an old thing, but what it was, and it symbolised, it was the first stone that would be laid, and it would be the direction for where the building goes. The cornerstone had to be perfect. If this building stone was off, the whole building's off. If this cornerstone is shifted in the wrong direction, the whole building's off direction. The craftsman would probably spend more time on this one piece of stone than any other stone in the building. If the angle's wrong, the whole thing's off. It needed to be perfect. And we come to the story this morning in Peter talking about Jesus being our cornerstone. And it says he's either precious, this is either precious to you that you build your life on, or it's rejected. I don't know, have we got, let me see who's here this morning. Is John Peel here? I know he was here. He's hidden, hasn't he? Have we got any builders? David Hunt, I'm looking at you. Come here, David. Right, I thought I could do this, but then I thought, I won't. You come over here. So, David, you've got strong hands, haven't you? No, I'm not going to do it. You hold that. 
one hand, you turn to face the, the crowd. And try and break it. Well, I'll tell you what to do. <laughs> this is what the world does with Jesus. Everyone sees Jesus. He's spoken about, but people will either accept him or they'll reject him. They might not reject him outright, but there'll be facets of his character and his teaching that they don't like. So Dave, what I want you to do is I want you to try and knock off a, a corner. <laughs> you go... <laughs> this is why I didn't do it. There we go. I'll, I'll hold it. Take the hammer. You're going to be here for a while, I'm afraid. We, we, we like teach Jesus, but you know what? We say things like, I don't quite like what he teaches about money. And we think, oh, just, let me just reshape it a little bit. Here we go again. Do you want me to... I'll, put it, no, don't put it, put it out the high. I'll, I promise I'll hoover up afterwards. We say, I like Jesus, but I'm not quite sure his teaching on salvation doesn't quite line up with me. Hit it again. We say, oh, that's a little one. There we go. There's a biggie. We say, I like this Jesus, but I'm not quite convinced how he teaches about time and what we're to do with our lives. I kind of want to be master and commander of my own life. And then a big hit here. Oh, he's got the hang of it now, hasn't he? We say, I like Jesus, I like this Jesus, but you know what? He talks about sin, and I just don't like it. It just, it grates me. So I'll take him, but if we just refashion him with sin, we might do it with relationships. (laughs) There we go. I think we'll stop there. Thank you, David. (laughs) Made a point. I'm glad Simon's not here and it's not videoed because I'm sure I'll be getting a, a call on Monday. Do you know what we do though? We do it with Jesus. We, we look at him and the world looks at him and says, you know what, he's, just a, he's a good teacher. But when it gets down to the rubber meets the road, we look at it and say, oh, I just don't like that. Let's chisel that, up, that bit off. If this was your cornerstone for life, I'm afraid what's going to happen, it's going to be off doesn't matter what, how well you try and package it. Jesus is either the cornerstone and by which we take our measurements for life, or he's not. So actually, I did find another stone in the garden, which is one that hasn't been broken, so that's one we'll stick with. So the cornerstone is being built on Jesus. Not, letting, not trying to shape him, but letting him shape us. So I've got a a few points in how do we build well. And they are knowing where you go, knowing who you are, and knowing who we are. And the first one is knowing where you came. So I've got another prop. It's another brick. Knowing where you came from. Peter, in this verse, tells them where they came from. Once they were a people who were in darkness, they had not received mercy, they were stumbling through life. Where you were before you came to Christ is an encouragement to know, Peter is saying, look where you've been and that's where you need to remember if you want to build well. 
Do you know, I was quite a cocky 20-year-old. You probably think, no, surely not. But In my 20s, I was, I was fairly cocky, and I thought that I could time trains perfectly. And so we lived in London, and I knew it was a five-minute run to the train station. And so that meant at six minutes to, I would start running. And every time I'd get it, get that train, I'm on it, I've made it. One morning was very cold and cocky as I was, I was running with my hands in my pockets. And do you know what? This was a sheepskin coat that I was in. I was warm, my hands were warm, and I bounded through. The train station was actually up on a level platform. So I'm sprinting now upstairs with hands in pockets, smiling to myself, thinking, you know, I've got this. The last step, one toe, I'm not going to say it's just one toe, one toe caught an edge, and the train doors closed with me sliding across the platform, face first, hands still in pockets. <laughs> Do you know what? I stumbled. I stumbled. My foundation went. And Peter says, people's foundations are constantly going all over the place. He says, Jesus... Uh, is a cornerstone that causes people to stumble. No matter how you want to live your life, if it's not done on the cornerstone, your life will stumble. There is stumbling all over the place. The, it was only this week that I had a patient on Friday, and she says to me, you know, I don't know her too well, but she says to me out of the blue, I've just been with a friend, and she's told me her son's committed suicide. You know, and you're kind of, wow, I, you know, I don't really have a, an in-depth relationship with this patient. I only see people a couple of times. And I said, well, what, what do you think? What do you think happened? Why do you think he, he did it? You're kind of asking these questions. And she said, he got into a relationship with a girl, and it ended, and that was it. It just that finished him. That's terrible, terribly sad. But I think that, when I was thinking about it, to me that is... Foundations built on something which is shakeable. And the truth for us this morning is to know that every foundation that's not based on Jesus is shakeable. Every foundation. Doesn't matter what it is, every foundation is shakeable. The only foundation that lasts is Jesus Christ. And I know that's terribly sad. I want to just pray for that family. And I want to pray for people who are in a very shaky time, because I know it's a bit of a gear change. But Lord, we just pray for people who are experiencing immense foundational changes in their lives. Lord, I just pray for that family. Lord, I pray for people who are in a state where they feel their foundations are shaking. And Lord, I just pray, would you be made known to them, Lord? Would they know and grasp you, Jesus, as a foundation which is unshakable? Lord, would you come and comfort people who need to be comforted this morning? Amen. So know where you have been. You had not received mercy, but you have received mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. That is what mercy is, not getting what you deserve. Second point is where you go. It talks about living stones. You are a living stone. So I've got another brick here. This is foundation number two. So you are a 
living stone. You are a living stone. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Holy Spirit dwells in you? You are living stones, a spiritual house. That's also translated into a temple of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 verses 9 says, However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Romans 8 verses 11 says, But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. The temple of the Holy Spirit is an Old Testament thing, and this is uh, a bit of history. God dwelt with his people, his presence was with his people, but it was in the Ark of the Covenant, but it was in this kind of separated bit within the people of God. The Israelites camped out around, it would be a bit like us at Commission Festival, we're all there, but in the central tent is God's presence. But the thing is, you can't go in there. You, you can't go into God's presence. That's reserved for the priests. And within the tent, there's another tent, and that's the most holy place. And you can't go in there. That's where God's presence resides. And only one priest, once a year, could go there. That was the only access. But the truth now is that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are living stones built as a temple of the Holy Spirit. That is radical thinking. When Jesus died on the cross in Mark 15, it says the curtain tore from top to bottom. And you can read that and think, what does that mean? I don't understand. Jesus has died. The curtain's tearing. The curtain tearing is the separation between God and his people. Before, God was with his people, but not with his people. He was there, but he was separated When Jesus dies on the cross, the curtain is torn and his presence now resides with us. So as a Christian this morning, let me encourage you and tell you that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, that God's presence resides with you. And if you want any demonstration of that, listen to the worship that we had this morning where God comes and speaks to people where God comes and brings tongues, where it doesn't quite make sense. It's a, it's a heavenly language that I can't quite package, and yet there's an interpretation. It's God speaking, and God will speak through you, not because what you've done, but because of who he has made you to be. It says you are a living stone. Jesus said, I will tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days which they just, the, the Jewish people at the time just couldn't understand. He's going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Their minds hadn't quite worked out that he was talking about himself, that he was going to die, take our sin away, come back to life, resurrect, and become the presence of God within us by his spirit. We are living stones. What does it mean to have the Holy Spirit living within you? The Holy Spirit living within you means that God resides with you. As you go about your week, as you go about your day, as you go about your joys and your disappointments, the Holy Spirit lives with you. God dwells with you. You dwell on that for more than a few minutes, and it's life-changing. It's absolutely life-changing to know that God lives with you. Not that God is here on a Sunday morning, and you go to work, and you need to wait again to come back to his presence. The Holy Spirit lives with you. 
and we want to experience more of him at work in our lives. The next point is, know who you are. The enemy would seek to take your identity away. The enemy would seek to make you think that you're just, you know, a nobody. But I don't get that from this passage. What I get from this passage is that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. We are thought of highly by God. We have been given given blessings that we do not deserve. We have been given an identity that we do not deserve. And in him, we find our being. The role of the priest in the Old Testament was to bring atonement and praise and prayers on behalf of the people. They were the person that stood in the gap between you getting closer to God. You had to go through the priest. And you might even think, it sounds funny this morning, that you are a priest. You think that's reserved for the people that wear the special robes. Or maybe... It's the elders, but this morning you are a priest, which means you can come directly to God. There is no intermediary. We come straight before Jesus. We can pray to Jesus. You don't need to go to a confessions box and pour your heart out to someone to speak to God. No, the truth is you can come straight to God. So in difficulty, in joyful times, as you sit in your bed at night, you can pray to God and he can hear you not because of what you've done, but because Jesus has come and lived that life for us. We are distinct and set apart. And Jesus has set himself at the right hand of the Father. I want to read um, from the message. I think it's, I don't actually know where it is. I I think it's Hebrews 9, but you'll have to bear with me. It talks about every priest goes to work at the altar each day, offers the same old sacrifices year in, year out, and they never make a dent in the sin problem. As a priest, Christ made a single sacrifice for sins, and that was it. Then he sat down right beside God and waited for his enemies to cave in. It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some imperfect people. By that single offering... He did everything that needed to be done for everyone who takes part in this purifying process. The Holy Spirit confirms this. This new plan I'm making with Israel isn't going to be written on paper, isn't going to be chiseled in stone. This time I'm writing out the plan in them, carving it on the lining of their hearts. He concludes, I'll forever wipe the slate clean of their sins. Once sins are taken care of for good, there is no longer for any need for sacrifices for them. You know, Jesus became our high priest and paid the ultimate sacrifice for us. So we come to him with praise and adoration. We don't need to sacrifice for our sin. The the Old Testament was, I'm going to bring something and try and appease God in the sense of, here is a perfect lamb. Would you you take it as part of my sin? It never would do the job. It was always pointing to Jesus who would come and be the ultimate sacrifice. So to build well, it is to know your identity. And lastly, to build well, you need to know who we are. It says, you are a chosen race. I don't know if you have noticed this morning, but we don't look very similar, do we? 
If you look around the room, we don't look very Aryan. We haven't quite got that distinct one look race. We look like we're from very different parts of the world. We look like we're from different nationalities and backgrounds. But Peter says here, you are a chosen race. This is not based on our ethnicity. We love to put labels on to work out what, what, what is it that make you guys, you know, the people of God? What is it? What, is it because, you, you know, your love for the poor? Is it your love for each other? What is the foundational identity of why we all come together and we are all here? And I would say it is that we are based and living on the cornerstone. The, the reason we're all gathered here, we are incredibly different backgrounds. I don't think you'd ever get a group like this in the world together. But we are here because we have such depth in unity in knowing Jesus our Saviour. There is nothing deeper than that. There is nothing deeper than being united together in Christ. There is nothing deeper that you can bring, nothing external that makes you look different, nothing about your enjoyments or pursuits. I always think it's weird when people don't like football, but we're not united here by football. We're united here because we all love Jesus Christ. And there's some that might be looking in and saying, well, I'm not there. Well, look, looking in at us, we are a people that love Jesus. And we want to build unity. We are the people of God. We want to build unity. Yesterday was a perfect example of that, if anyone was there. It's just such family. You know, it's such unity. It's such enjoyment, enjoying each other's company. Everyone has a part to play. There's people doing the singing, which I would never do. But there is people there that are serving each other and loving each other. And it's just, it's just, it's just family. You know, it's just, we're all different. We don't need to be the same. But we are family. John 1, verses 3 to 16 says, By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. Let me encourage you to lay your life down for your fellow Christians, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me encourage you to lay your life down for the church. The more time I've been in church, the more I've come to love his people, it sounds weird, doesn't it? You think you must, you know, you have to do this. A deep affection for everyone here, which is weird, because I don't know you all, but there is a deep affection that I have for my church. When I talk about my church to my colleagues, there is a deep affection there because it's family, but it's deeper than family. It's not based on blood. It's, it's deeper than family. I almost think it's so desirable in a world that is so insular and isolated that who would not want to be in this community, in this congregation of believers? So my conclusion would be that now you know that where you have come from, you know where to go, the Holy Spirit lives within you, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, you know who you are, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen people, a people who once were in darkness but now in life, who had not received mercy but have received his mercy, a people together. And it says, and all of this, that you may proclaim the excellencies, and it is an excellent thing, of him. We're going to stand we are going to come to communion, but I want to say a few bits before we do that. So 
Why don't you uh, stand with me? And if I could ask the, the band to come back. The difference of these bricks, they're not living. That sounds obvious, doesn't it? They're not living. That's it. What you see is what you get. It's a close example of what the church is. We are built on Christ and we're built together. And you see those grand buildings, they look amazing. But we are living stones and living stones grow together. And I want to ask you this morning, are you willing to build his house, his church? Are you willing to lay down your life as Christ laid down his life for the church and encourages us to do? Are you willing to lay down your life, your time, your finances, for each other? Are you willing to lay down prayer time to pray for each other? Foundations shake. We're not immune from that as Christians, but we stand on a rock and a foundation. Are you willing to join with people who are going through some really shaky foundational times? The church is the light of the world. We are God on earth. God's presence with us. We can try and change things on our own, but it's God working through us. And I am so set on working and building and encouraging the church and encouraging people to grasp what the church means, serving others. Serving means yesterday, giving your time up on a Saturday. Why? To serve each other to bless each other, not looking to our own interests first, but to bless others, to serve on a Sunday morning, to say, look, I'm, I'm in this. My money is where my mouth is. My time, I'm going to pour it in. I'm going to bless each other. I'm going to bless you, bless you with serving on whatever it would be, and to build his church. So why don't we uh, sing a song of response? Let me encourage you. If if you have chiseled something off of Jesus that you just didn't quite like, it just stuck out a little bit too much, let me encourage you in your heart. Come to him. Come to him and, and repent. Say, Lord, I've, I've tried to morph you into my own world, into my own view. Let him shape you. It's your best life. Let him shape you. Don't build your foundation on something which is shakeable. So I'm going to pray, Lord, I just thank you that we come to you, as your passage says, come to you, as we come to you, the living stone. Lord, we come now as living stones built on you. And Lord, we say, would you, would you reestablish foundations we've tried to move away? Would you reestablish us on, on you, Jesus, on your teaching, on what you've called us to for our lives. Would you help us to repent in areas where we're just chiseling bits off of you every day? Lord, let us not try and change you, but let us be changed. Holy Spirit, would you do that? We were a people who had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. Lord, the only reason we can come before you and ask that you would shape us is because you poured your mercy out on us. And Lord, we want to be changed. Lord, we want your church to be presented as glorious as it should be, as a people changed, as a royal priesthood, a holy nation, Lord, for the work that you've done. Lord, I pray for people here looking in who have yet to 
make you their cornerstone. They need to establish a foundation on you. I pray, Lord, would you speak to them? Would they feel an incline in their hearts to, to lay their life down, to surrender it to you, Jesus? God, only you can do that. It's only your Holy Spirit. It's only your death on the cross and your resurrection and your spirit at work in our lives now that makes any of this work. Lord, it's not done in our strength or in our wise words or whatever it would be, Lord. It is you speaking to people. And we believe that. We believe you speak today. We believe that you speak to us. So I just pray, would you do that? Amen. We are going to take communion. Um, There's baskets around. I think the gluten-free is over in the back corner. Let me encourage you. Communion is, is coming and remembering what Jesus has done for you which we've kind of been doing all morning, but now we're really doing it in a sense of, use it as a response, as a, I'm going to re-establish Jesus as the cornerstone. He is my foundation. I'm remembering what he has done for me. And I'm going to trust in him that it might not seem wise by world's understanding, giving your money away in a recession doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but it's standing on a foundation which will be unshakable into eternity. So why don't you come, come to the front, come and take uh, the bread and the wine. Actually, it's grape juice, it's not wine. Um, Come and take that, take it back to your seat. Feel free to take it. Feel free to pray before, just in your heart, just to respond to him. Feel free to maybe pray with someone else if you want to grab someone. If you don't want to take communion today, that's fine, That's, that's fine. We know people are on different journeys. People are going wherever you're at, but this is a time for you to respond. It's a physical step to say, do you know what? I am going to re-establish foundations. Lord, would you be my foundation?